like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And this is the last episode of the I'll Show You Scary Month, uh, the month of October 2020, where we've been watching movies from the Rotten Tomatoes Top 100 Horror Films that we have not seen this month of October, all with the exception of Wicker Man, which I had seen, but Corey had not. This last movie for the month is exciting to me because it was an Alfred Hitchcock movie that I uh, was kind of not aware of called Frenzy um, from 1972. Uh, We will get into our full review later on in the episode, but we like to start off with just catching up, seeing how we've been doing, and then what else we've been watching since the last time we recorded. So, Corey, how are you doing? You know, my I have a short week this week. I took um, Friday off in honor of Halloween. <laughs> um, so I'm excited for a long weekend. We're going to uh, our science museum tomorrow. Mm. And uh, they have like a King Tut, like Egypt um, ex- exhibit right now. Um, it's all replicas, but one day I'll get to the Valley of the Kings. But, um, yeah, they have an Egyptologist there on Fridays, so hoping to hear some of what she has to say and just to check that out because I find that stuff fascinating. But, yeah, how are you? I am doing all right. We ha- we've had a weird work week this week. Um, on Tuesday, uh, we were told that we were going to do the rest of the week online. Um, all students, no matter what, and all teachers would work from home, uh, because we had so many teachers who were quarantined, um, as a result of being in contact. Not, not everyone has, you know, tested positive or whatever. There was a lot of, uh, contact and whatnot, um, with, with people who had tested positive. So, uh, it sent us all, uh, home for a few days just because we, we didn't have enough subs to basically level off, you know, kind of thing. Um, but then we had to go in today because, uh, only it was a very small portion of our population was going to be on campus because of PSAT testing. And so I had a uh, testing, I had a proctor test, which um, is never fun because you just have to stand there um, while they do things and you, you can't do things because you have to watch them to make sure they're doing the things correctly. And so it's, it's a, it's torture uh, for about three hours where like for me, cause like I, my brain is like, I find that when I am in a position where I can't do anything, my brain has its best ideas, but then I can't do anything with them because <laughs> yeah. I can't like go to my computer and like lesson plan or I can't like write things down because I'm still te- technically doing something and not paying attention. Um, and I also knowing me, I have I get bad tunnel vision when I start doing something. So I would easily miss things if I was, you know, to do something like that. So um, it's it's a torturous three hours for me. But um, I have been uh, going back to the gym and like, um, on Wednesday, uh, my wife, um, this has become like an annual tradition, I think at this point, but my wife has uh, some kind of issue with potassium and magnesium where she'll get like really, really low levels. And then we have to go to the emergency room, um, because she'll wait. She knows she doesn't feel well, but she, she is very stubborn. She's waiting it out. Loving <laughs> way. Um, she, she is, she's, she's afraid it's not something serious and it's like yeah but the one time it is serious you're gonna have waited too long and that's the fear and even the doctor mm-hmm. said that to her yesterday it's like you can't keep waiting until it's it you're about to pass out kind of thing um so we we spent about three and a half hours in the er yesterday uh, afternoon 
um like basically it's me sitting there and her getting uh first the first 20 minutes of being in the room is always bad because when they have to give her an iv her veins play hide and seek um so it's torture for her for like the first 15 minutes and then they had a lot of trainees yesterday and that was not helping the situation because they were trying really hard to be like like the best trainees but they're also like panicking because kathy's like clearly anxious about the fact that it's like normally they have a hard time with me and i have somebody who's training trying to find like, my nope. <laughs> um but they, they finally got it in a place that's not like it's like the they had it like almost on her tricep um so an un- uncomfortable place but then sh- she gets a magnesium like drip and that that helps a lot and uh, sh- a big giant potassium pill but it, it's like three hours again where i really can't do anything um and she's you know kind of in and out of it because she's she's already wiped out because of the low levels and then it's a whole ordeal the whole er thing um so it's just she ends up sleeping for most of it which is what i want but at the same time i'm just like oh boy and in my head i'm thinking i i have lessons to plan and i have i today wednesdays are my run day so i I run like three miles on wednesday or run walk i wish i could just run three miles i run and walk three miles um but despite uh we got home about 7 p.m and 7 30 p.m um we we stopped at uh wawa i don't know if i should have said the name weeks and got subs for dinner um, I was going to make food, but because we were at the, the hospital for so long, it was quicker and, and more convenient and um, to, to pick up some subs. And uh, she ate and basically was ready to go to bed. And I'm like, I'm looking and I'm like, you know what? I, I can still run. So I went running at like 9 p.m. last night because um, our main road is pretty well lit. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm thinking, hey, you know, it, I can see and there's not a lot of cars because we're kind of it's not a private community, but it's nobody there's no reason to come down here unless you're coming to a house here so there's not a lot of cars um i felt mostly safe you know like wasn't no one almost hit me or anything but uh i did i still ran three miles at like nine o'clock at night last night and i mean to be fair i go to the gym at about nine normally because that's when there's less people mm-hmm. or no people in most cases um so i'm used to working out that late anyways i haven't really run that late um before i, I think i've done it twice since i started running back in april i try to run in the morning or uh middle i've i don't try to run in the middle of the afternoon but i have and it is unpleasant um but uh i still sweat like crazy despite it being like pitch black outside i'm still like dripping sweat by the time i'm done um but i did figure out something last night that i liked uh we have these ridiculously large speed bumps on our main road mm-hmm. and i i decided uh, they, are. <laughs> they are they're ridiculous um but i started using them as like uh intermittent running so um i don't i don't usually run on the main road alone like there's a few like curves that i will like go around like other like side roads but i didn't want to do that at like nine o'clock because i don't want to freak people out there's just some dude running by their house kind of thing um and so i just stuck to the main road but what i i used the speed bumps is like i would run to the next bump and then i'd walk to the next bump and then run to the next bump and started going back and forth and i kind of pushed myself in a, a positive way last night and i felt pretty good about it um i've been i don't know what's happened uh in the last like i guess since since we've been going back to work my my stamina is really down and it's partly i'm probably not sleeping enough and then uh just like i went from sitting in a chair most of the time to now like moving around and walking again which i much more enjoy as a teacher is like being mobile um but at home there's no real reason to be mobile when i'm teaching online you know so um but in the classroom i I will move around with my computer and stuff and just being in a, a different space so i think just the extra walking and being on my feet all day versus like sitting um, when I'm running now, it's like it, it I feel like I've lost a, several steps from what I was doing before. 
And last night was the first time I felt like I've, I really pushed myself again. Um, so I guess all in all, kind of a weird week. Mostly good, though, uh, on the positive side. Um, yeah, that's kind of the gist of it. Uh, looking forward to tomorrow night. Uh, you mentioned you have plans to go uh, to the museum. I am. Um, this is the first time uh, that our D&D group is meeting back-to-back weeks because our session got a little late start last week, um, so we didn't finish the planned session out. So our DM asked us to, like, if you guys want to play again right away so we can uh, finish up what I've been working on. And we all agreed. And uh, last week we had tacos for dinner. Like, we kind of, like, group effort. One, to be fair, one person cooked, but, like, we all brought stuff for the tacos. Um, but uh, apparently we're having butter chicken tomorrow, which I, I didn't know what that was. I uh, found out tonight it's Indian food, which I've only had Indian mm. food, I think, twice, which I, I really loved both times I've had it. Uh, so I'm very excited now uh, about my, my dinner opportunity tomorrow. Um, but yeah, so that, that's kind of the gist of it. Um, it's almost Halloween. Uh, it will be Halloween when you're listening to this. In fact, it'll drop on Halloween. Um, but that means that the pumpkin stuff is going to be leaving soon, and that makes me a little sad. <laughs> and, and peppermint mocha is, is I like a lot, actually, but it's it's so much more sugar. Oh, I, is the, it? Well, the so the pumpkin cream... Um, cold brew that i've been getting from from the starbucks who won't i I wasn't gonna say the starbucks but i opted to say starbucks and i already said the so it just happened but um i i can get like the actual like pumpkin cream part has sugar in it right but they add a vanilla um like syrup to the coffee but you can get that sugar free so it reduces the calories by about half usually from what it Mm. says on the app and so like i feel okay with that i don't I don't believe anything in the peppermint mocha can be reduced in sugar. Um, and so I'm just like, I'm probably not gonna be able to, to, to drink any of those except maybe one on a cheat day kind of thing. Um, and that makes me a little sad unless they do something cool, like a peppermint cold brew. So Starbucks, if you're listening, peppermint cold brew, let's make it a thing. Um, I will have to go back to my, my, uh, almond milk, dark cocoa, almond milk foam cold brew, which is only like 40 calories. Um, Oh really? I didn't know it was that low. Yeah, because of the almond milk, apparently. It's uh, according to their app. That's almond what it milk is. Almond milk is amazing. And I don't know if you know this. I don't drink a lot of milk. Like, milk has always just not sat well with me. Like, my dad would try to pay me a dollar to drink a small cup of milk when I was a kid to try to get me to just drink milk. And oh, we always bought, like, full fat milk. But I can't tell you how many times I threw it back up. Oh, trying so hard to get those dollars i eat i well i can eat she's just fine sour cream oh. some ice cream makes me sick but um yeah i don't i don't really know what that's about so definitely not lactose intolerant but i love almond milk and you can cook with it you can in all things that i make i can replace my baking my cooking um i can just replace milk with almond milk and it cooks mm. up just fine and yeah it doesn't have as much sugar in it like you don't realize how much sugar is in regular milk man even like skim or low-fat milk um and you know just all kinds of things but i just um i just sent you a picture Corey. i i want you to see uh big tuna um was having a little a very very tiny safe gathering of uh, some friends to watch some um horror movies including trick or treat which we watched last year Mm -hmm. for this uh, for this month and um, he had some a, uh, a friend who is doing like some baking on the side uh, for some extra money um, asked her to make some cupcakes. 
and the Sam cupcake she made is so cool. Uh, I I keep sharing it with everyone. Like one, I'm a little jealous because I wouldn't mind eating one. But I, I at the same time I'm just jealous because they look so cool. And uh, they also did like the pumpkin lollipop like kind of look mm-hmm. on one of the cupcakes, and they're really cool. I just I, I those just, look awesome. Yeah, I I think they look pretty amazing. And then I don't know what they used to do like the blood, but it looks really cool too. Um, came out really good. I think they're cool cupcakes. Sorry, uh, listeners, you can't quite see that, and it's not my picture to just post on any things. If Big Tuna says it's cool, though, I might show uh throw that in the show notes or something, but. Um, since I'm talking about it, might as well. Um, but that's what we've been doing. And now the bigger question, and the one that's on the tips of everybody's tongue, is what have you been watching, Corey, since the last time we recorded? Okay, so um, my friend had uh, like me and another friend over um, last Saturday, this past Saturday, um, to watch horror movies, and we watched Scream. Oh, I need to watch Scream again. It's been a while. It's so good. It has whole, there are just plot holes, you know, there are just things I was watching it this time and I was like, but why, you know, but we don't worry about those things when we watch horror movies. Um, we watched Wicked Little Things, which is, I'm sure I've talked about before, but I really miss the After Dark Horror Film Fest. Yes, After you have Dark talked about that. Horror Film Fest. I think that's the title. Um, I wish I could have like seen at least one round in theaters when they were like doing the fest. Uh, I just really miss it. Um, but that's one of my favorite ones. There was one year that I, there were like two or three films that I like loved. I think it was three films that I really, really, really loved and they only release eight. So I feel like that's really good odds for horror movies. And then they just released, um, a horror anthology on shutter. I think they released it last Friday, but it's called the mortuary collection. Okay. And I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it's no creep show, but you know, I thought it was pretty good. It was entertaining. Speaking of creep show though, did you watch the animated series? Not on yet. I think it's just one single uh, episode, right? Oh, I don't know. I had um, one of my former students uh, and now friend, um, has been recommending it, and I guess their shutter is giving a free month if you use. Hang on, hang on, hang on. If you use, um, oh, sorry. Well, now I can't find it. Um, if you use the code Film Theory on Shutter, you're supposed to get a free month. Um, I don't know. Film Theory is probably a YouTube channel, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but. So if you haven't used Shutter before, that's a free opportunity for you. But uh, he, that friend has that's he sent me that code and was like, now you don't have a reason not to watch it. I'm like, good point. The reason I don't watch things isn't usually access; it's usually time. And, um, but I do want to watch that because I really did enjoy Creepshow. Although I've never seen Creepshow too. Um, I don't, and obviously it's not necessary. I just you know I'm not like I can't act like I'm some avid fan. I think last year we did uh, anthologies for the month of October, and that's the first time I finally watched Creepshow. Cat's Eye, Trick or Treat, and uh, we watched the, I don't even remember what it was called. The one with uh, Mickey Rourke as the projectionist. Oh, it wasn't my favorite. No, that's why it's something cinema. Something cinema? Nightmare cinema? Nightmare cinema sounds right. Let's go with that. Nightmare cinema, whatever, something like that. Um, uh, I, I actually might rewatch Ghost Stories on Saturday, though. I haven't seen that since I saw it at the festival, and I love that movie so much. Not a ghost story ghost stories with martin freeman if you haven't seen that anthology i believe it's on hulu and it is worth watching i think so and then i've just been watching fear the walking dead 
Still, huh? Yeah, I don't. I think there are five seasons. I think I'm into the fourth. I might almost be done with the fourth season. It took two and a half seasons to get a character I finally care about, though. Ah, well, that helps though. Once you get that character, to like keep watching. Yeah, and I just think he's great. Oh, so let's not spoil it, but he shows up late and is great, apparently. So, hmm. Have to wait and see who that is. Uh, so, um, I just started watching season four of The Legend of Korra. Were you done? Because it sounded like you were about to say something. No, I'm done. Uh, okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm four or five episodes into uh, the last season of The Legend of Korra. Um, I decided I wanted to commit to like knocking that one out. It's it's such a quick watch, um, and season three was so good. That's why I sat like for two weeks with not watching it. Um, but I uh, I did finish. So I, I started to, to finish that series. I finished The Boys season two on Amazon Prime. Um, I watched the first season just a couple months ago during uh, quarantine kind of thing. And um, I, I started season two when it dropped, but it only dropped the first three episodes. And then I waited till all the other episodes came out before I finally went back to it. I uh, really enjoyed that show. Um, I think it's got a lot of things that are interesting to think about. It is like a more violent, more, uh, which is hard to believe because Watchmen's pretty violent. But I feel like The Boys is more like like body horror at times kind of level of gore um, that happens in the show. Uh, it's got a, a twisted sense of humor that I, it just works for me. I, I enjoy it. So it's not for everybody, but it, it's something I like. Um, but I also watched a couple of movies. So I, I finished a series. I started to finish another series, but I still ma- managed to get a couple movies in. Um, on Saturday, the day after we recorded, I watched uh, The Witches, the new Robert Zemeckis film that is on HBO Max uh, that stars Anne Hathaway and Octavia Spencer. Um, because that's what we just uh, reviewed on the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, and uh, it's okay, it's okay. Don't 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 have much to say good about it. Don't have much to say bad about it. Octavia Spencer is great, and I cried in the first six minutes of it um, because I th- I thought the uh, opening exposition was very sad. Um, in a in a, but there's like positivity to it as well, which is what really clicked for me. And Octavia Spencer just crushes that. Uh, Anne Hathaway's having a great time. But our whole review, uh, Matt and I reviewed it on BAMP, and it is out now for your listening enjoyment. But then, Corey, Corey, yes, you must resolve the HBO Max issue because we watched Stop Making Sense within the last year. I don't remember for sure if that was this year or last year anymore because this year is nuts. <laughs> I know. What but, is this year? <laughs> um, but uh, we watched it within a year, I think. Um, I think we watched we it both- this summer. I felt like it was the summer because I'm pretty sure Taylor watched it with. I know she watched it with me, but I feel like that was the summer. Um, but either way, we watched it within a recent amount of time. Um, and yeah, I can't think of where it would have fit into the summer. That's the thing. I'm like, what did? What was our topic? Um, I thought we were doing documentaries. That might have been it. Oh wait, this is like from two. I'm looking at the wrong spreadsheet. I'm not even trying. Mint to look in at Box. This. You're right. It was Mint in Box because you owned it and had never watched it, which is insane because that movie is amazing. But I don't. Know if you Who know are that, you to say uh, that? I know, right? It was so hypocritical. Um, I don't know if you know this, but David Byrne, the singer and frontman of Talking Heads, uh, had a Broadway show called American Utopia, and Spike Lee filmed it, directed and uh, filmed this presentation, and it is. It just dropped on HBO Max a couple weeks ago, and it is 
now probably the second best concert film of all time was Stop Making Sense, the first, in my opinion. I love Stop Making Sense so much. Jonathan Demme's uh, and The Talking Heads is just an insane concert. It's captured in such a cool way. Um, this is very, very similar. A couple of the same songs actually show up, but there's uh, some other songs that are just in, just amazing. Um, David Byrne, to me, when I watch Stop Making Sense, there's this like serious artist thing about him that kind of comes off like like he's above everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like not in like necessarily a negative way, but like I just feel like he knows how talented he is and how serious he takes his art comes across. Like when I watch it, that's the vibe I got from him. Just with very little, uh, you know, I have not I had not watched any interviews with him or anything like that. So it was based solely just on like wow. Almost like I'm intimidated by how talented he is kind of thing. Here, I feel like there's now this level of like, I am, it reminds me of us, Corey. Yeah, you know, like we were real pretentious when we were younger about our music taste. Yes. That's what I feel came across with David Byrne in, in the the uh, Stop Making Sense, right? Now, he's much older and he seems a little more humble about that but still super talented and brilliant. You know what I'm saying? But like, there's like this maturity that kind of washes over him and he talks to the audience. It's more like interactive in that way. He's like talking out to them and explaining things, which you don't really get. And stop making sense. It's pretty much song after song. There's a few moments where he talks, but for the most part, it's just song after song after song here. There's this narrative that he's kind of like writing in between the songs. And I just, I thought it was really cool. I, I can't recommend that enough. Um, I think everyone should watch it. I did find out Matt had never seen um, Stop Making Sense, so I'm pushing him to try to watch both of them. Um, I then watched the movie we're going to be talking about in just a few minutes. But the big uh, check on my gap list this week, I watched Funny Girl for the first time. Um, that Because uh, movie astrology, we're going to be covering 1968 in an upcoming episode. So I'm trying to check off some of the big films I had not seen from the year. And... Um, I had never seen Funny Girl. I actually haven't seen much Barbara Streisand, especially not in her prime. I've seen some of her older stuff, like the uh, Guilt Trip with Seth Rogen, and then Meet the Parents, or uh, Meet the Fuckers, I think is the one where um, she shows up. And so I haven't seen a lot of her like iconic roles. This was one of them. And um, I didn't really know how much of a musical it was either until I was watching it. Um, I liked it a whole lot. It took a little bit of time because it's two and a half hours. There's like an yeah. intermission and an opening. Uh, um overture so that uh, you could probably fast forward that and save maybe 10 15 minutes off of the time but it took it did take me two nights um to get through it because of other things kept getting in the way i had to pause it and do things um but really really liked it definitely recommend that movie uh, apparently there's a not so love sequel called funny lady um but you know she's in it though in the sequel but it's not supposed to be it's not well received compared to this one but um so yeah that's this movie's got two things working against it for you you don't like musicals very much, and you don't like long movies. So. Yeah. But that's it. That's what I've been watching. Um, gonna try. I wanted to get a couple more movies in this weekend. I just couldn't. I really want to watch some horror movies, and I haven't had a chance. I'm gonna try on Saturday to watch at least two or three in the background, kind of thing. But because you know, I'm just I'm just always working. It's always stuff to plan and make and and craft, and um, I started getting. I get uh, every so often I start reevaluating like my my map of my curriculum, especially I get a lot of free reign for my my program because I'm kind of it's kind of my program. Like I built it from the ground up and I'm reevaluating the or the structure in which I teach the movies. And like 
I, I today I had a lot of breakthroughs with like how I want to make changes. So now I have to decide: do I want to make those changes like this year, or wait until next year and continue with the path that I'm going? And I, I now like am in this internal struggle of like, what do I do? I don't know. But but that's that. Um, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to get into our review of Frenzy from 1972, and we're back. Frenzy, 1972, uh, directed by the man himself, Alfred Hitchcock. Writers, uh, there's a novel. Uh, it's not actually called Frenzy, I don't think, but it's based on a novel written by Arthur Laburn and uh, screenplays written by Anthony Schaefer. Stars John Finch, Barry Foster, Barbara Lee Hunt. And I feel like there's got to be another person that's worth mentioning here. Hang on a second. There it is. Uh, Alec McCohen, who is the chief inspector, Tim Oxford. Um, and Anna Massey deserves a mention, too. Uh, Babs Milligan. Um, I think that's the gist of the big characters. So uh, the summary on IMDb is a serial murderer is strangling women with a necktie. The London police have a suspect, but he is the wrong man. Um, so uh, 7.4 IMDb user score, 92 on Metacritic, and it's in the top 100, as mentioned, on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, give me a second, and I'll get the exact number again. But let's start, Corey. What did you think of Frenzy from 72? Oh, wow. I'm going to ruffle some feathers. I feel like you probably already know how I feel about this movie. Um, I don't know. I feel like I you mean, do. now I do. I do mean, you really? I feel like you've left nothing to be uh, yeah. a question, I don't think, at this point. Yeah. Uh, not my favorite movie. Um, in fact, if this was not a movie for Movie Club that I had... Um, Oh God, words! You had know, watch, had a commitment, commitment yeah. That you know, I wouldn't have finished this movie at a particular part. I have stopped watching movies and shows and all kinds of things when certain something happens in them, and I would have just turned this off and been done with it and not ever looked back. <laughs> but you know, here we are. We needed to talk about it. Um. So I know that this is a well-regarded movie, but I just think that sometimes things are put in movies that we don't really need to be put in movies. Um, there is one scene that I really, 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 really loved the way it was filmed. Um, but overall, mm, won't be going back to this one. Didn't enjoy it. And that's my personal taste. Like, I'm not saying i'm a pro um, or that this isn't a, you know in spoilers i think we could reveal what, exactly what Corey was uncomfortable with and uh it, i almost feel like we could reveal it now because it is an early part um but nonetheless it is technically well no you know what i think we can say what it is it's the it's there's a rape sequence in this film and i'm assuming that is what you were alluding to correct yeah and it, it i think that enough movies and like shows and stuff do it, you know what's happening without having to watch it and and I mean we don't I don't know it that scene I don't want to offend anyone and I'm really bad with my verbiage but it's very personal and I think that that's what makes it even worse mm. Like, I don't know. She does a great 
job in the scene, I guess. Um, you know, with like it really affecting me as a viewer, but I wouldn't mm, have finished like watching it. The, the movie. Yeah. Well, okay. So, um, what I I agree. I, I I do think rape sequences in films are always a huge risk, and they have to be done, um, in a way that I feel is like necessary to the plot and story and not exploitative um and there is there is an element to this film that was the biggest element that's shocking is this is hitchcock working for the first time out of the the code that locked him into not having nudity and it almost got psycho banned because even though there is no nudity in psycho just the the sequences that he had uh they were ready to shut it down kind of thing Ew. this is him without that restriction uh, 70s filmmaking now at full swing and there is there's more nudity than i would have anticipated for a hitchcock film but my mm -hmm. hitchcock experience was all pre this um and by the way it just to, it is a number 72 out of the top 100 with a 90 percent on rotten tomatoes um i i actually loved this movie i was unbelievably uncomfortable with the sequence um where i was like squirming looking away uh especially because it does it feels more real to me than some other like Hollywood rape sequences that have been in movies. Mm -hmm. um, and and yet there's, there is a tonal thing with this movie that is even more unsettling where there, there's like an edge of humor, um, which is not unheard of for Hitchcock to have like these kind of dark sadistic jokes built into his stories. Um, and there, I, I think there's uh like, Okay, so when I say humor, like the guy is, I don't remember what he says, but he's repeating a phrase that is, it's unsettling as anything. I can't remember what phrase he says, but I he's can't repeating either. something. But he's repeating it over and over again. And it's like he's in a trance and he's lost. And it's such a weird, like, it's not a, the phrase itself is is mundane. It's not anything. But in the circumstance, it's horrifying. And yet, there's this weird, like, I wouldn't say I didn't laugh, but I, I, maybe I laughed even out of, like, discomfort, where I'm just like, what is happening? You know, why is he saying that? Um, and it, again, it is because of how sick and twisted this this character is, which I think we've we've done a good job of not saying who it is or which character is being affected in the sequence. Uh, we will in spoilers, but for now, like, it's a murderer. It's beyond murder. I mean, the first victim that you see is just washes up in the water is a woman completely naked minus a necktie around her neck. That's the only clothing. Um, and so it, it's implied. And I think someone even in the, the the crowd who sees the dead bodies implies like, was she raped or something like that? Like it's it's alluded to before this scene happens. Um, one thing I the scene reminded me of the shower scene in Psycho because of the editing. There's a lot of rapid cuts. Um, we're never seeing the whole picture. Um, there's her, the actress who, again, we will give credit to by name when we get to spoilers. Um, but she is, it's like, I would say almost heartbreaking of a performance because she's trying to be so calm despite the horror that she's experiencing, you know? And like, even like, at one point, um, she's don't don't tear the dress, you know, like she's trying to like barter with the, this man. And I think, uh, you know, when you look at Hitchcock's traits, um, the blonde as as a trope that is in all of his movies, um, that's a recurring element within this film. Uh, the mother issues, 
this the the person who is the serial killer at one point were introduced to his mother and i'm like well that's that seems like we need to really explore that more and it doesn't really and i think that's intentional too um just the filmmaking in this movie is is exactly what i would expect from hitchcock it does have elements that i think maybe the old movies benefit from not being allowed to be in them um I think a good example, uh, I was talking with Matt about the Gus Van Sant version of Psycho. And one of the things that when I was a kid, I had not seen the original Psycho, but when I saw the Gus Van Sant Psycho, but I was familiar with it. Like I knew the story I'd seen actually Psycho four, but I had not seen the original three psychos before that, nor the, the first one, especially. And, um, the thing that bugged me as a kid, when I saw the, the Gus Van Sant one was the, um, scene where, where Norman Bates is peeping through the, 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 um, you know, the picture frame at her. And in the original film, you don't hear anything, but in the Gus Van Sant movie, you hear the sound of him masturbating, mm-hmm. like plain as day. And as a kid, that really like freaked me out. And especially like growing up in the nineties where like, you know, anything like guy, like penis was just like, Oh, you know, oh, you know, you can't look at a dude's penis or you can't know a dude's masturbating like without being afraid of like people saying you're gay at the time. And again, I don't think that's obviously I don't think that's how it works. But as a dumb kid in the 90s, that is definitely how a lot of us thought it worked. Was that it just like seeing a penis could make you gay or thinking about a guy masturbating could make you gay. So that made me really uncomfortable as a kid. And like at the, like Hitchcock doesn't have that, but Hitchcock couldn't have had that sound. Would he have? You know, is that what Van Sant is implying? That had Hitchcock not been restricted to what he could have had? And when I watch Frenzy, I'm like, maybe. Maybe he would have. Um, because here, he doesn't shy away from nudity. You know, he now it's only female nudity that we see. And I don't feel like all of it is super exploitative. Um, I think it's used with a purpose, especially in this sequence. I think it's there. Temp- it's it's limited. It's there. But it, it is... she covers herself back up um and he again he's cutting away from it we're doing a lot of the rapid cuts uh seeing a lot of different perspectives of of what's happening um but here's here's the thing and i want i'm going to ask you first so in this scene the character is going to be killed i i don't think that's any surprise it's a serial murderer so he's raping a woman murder is the the logical conclusion um i found her face at the end of the murder when her tongue is out to feel sillier than I thought it should. What did you think? I th- When you were talking about the humor, that's what I thought you were talking about because after yeah. every single one, <laughs> sorry, it, it th- something different happens with their tongue and I feel like it's a little disrespectful. I mean... I don't. It seems silly, right? It just seems like wrong. That now, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if that's of the era, but like, yeah, when I saw it, I was like, I that feels a little zany to me. Like, it doesn't feel like, especially and, that first one, because her tongue's like all the way out. It's not like it's like because one of them, it's just like, like on it's out, but it's like, like it like they were pushing up against the roof of their mouth kind of thing where this one's like, bleh, like hanging out. Like you can almost hear that noise. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's just like, what, wait a minute. And again, I don't know 
what would happen if you were strangled. I've fortunately never seen someone's face after having been strangled. I don't want to see someone's face mm-hmm. after having been strangled. And it was kind of weird because I swear that her face wasn't like that when we looked at her the last time. And then when they went back to her. Well, uh, Hitchcock has never been one to worry about continuity in that way. Um, especially, I think, when we're... Well, that's not true. But I think at this time, uh, French New Wave has hit. He's he's talked to Truffaut. He's been labeled the auteur. So maybe he's he's adding a little bit of that, that New Wave element of like, ah, it's okay if you know it's a film. It's a film. The, you know, my cuts are rapid. Here's this. Yes, it's, this tongue is out. Um, but I did find that. And again, Hitchcock, not one to shy away from humor within the the darkness. I think that's part of kind of his aesthetic. Um, and so I'm OK with it. Like it didn't take me out of the movie or anything. But I, I, I was like, wow, that's that's a weird, you know, weird look. It just felt a little silly. And I, I have felt that like I, I love Rear Window, but there's a scene at the end where it's it's because of the visual effects that they have to use and how they could do them at the time. But it looks it looks bad. There's a scene at the end that looks bad. I don't want to say what happens because that's a whole other movie, but I still love that movie all the way through. But every time I'm just like, oh man, if only now uh, they could make it look so much better than it looks in the original. Um, I, but again, overall, I think this movie is, it's got all the Hitchcock stuff. It's, it's um, honestly uh, one other thing that I, I don't know if you notice this and I'm, I'm hoping you can validate my thought. And it's not just me like reaching for things, but Chief Inspector Tim Oxford is married to a woman who has learned how to cook like really crazy cuisine. And all he wants is eggs and bacon. (laughs) Yeah. Or like just something normal. Right. So he, he kind of reminded me (laughs) of Twin Peaks detective and, and like, okay, what's the detective's name in Twin Peaks? Um, Oh my god! Now that you said that, I've forgotten. I, I, it's like on the tip of my tongue. Um, I could. Agent I know Cooper. the guy. Isn't it Agent Dale Cooper? Cooper? I think you're right. So the whole donut coffee thing, you know, he's like so excited about like the donut, and he's like yeah, just Cooper. it's like the best. There, so much of his character reminded me of of that that chief. Like, so I don't know if if Lynch pulled from this movie. It wouldn't surprise me. Um. I, I mean, obviously, there's elements to Lynch style that is not Hitchcock at all. So I'm not saying they're the same, but that's who I kept thinking of when I was watching this guy because he was a little quirky, but he was a good detective. But he had these odd little moments and uh, the food stuff, especially just like how he was acting. And um, it, th- that's again where there's some humor. Like he's eating the soup and he's like looking at it and he like pours it back in the bowl. Like there's stuff that's Hitchcock, you know, having some humor in this very dark movie. Um, that i uh even i mean geez there's so many little moments um when uh, okay i guess a lot of these have to go spoil. there's a lot of moments though that are like it's so dark and yet there's an edge of humor um and i will make this case a little more in the spoiler section uh but i i really like this i totally get why that scene uh is upsetting and i i don't think hitchcock wanted it to be anything else i think he wanted us to see how evil it is and i do want to give credit um there are implied other moments of rape in the film that mm-hmm. we do not witness. Uh, so he, he shows us once to see how horrifying and horrible it is. And then he doesn't make us watch it again. So I am grateful for that. Like, cause it could have been every scene that we had to sit through that kind of horrible torture. But I mean, and, we and... already know that it's horrible. 
you know, like you well, for sure. Uh, uh, yes, I, I will c- concur. However, um, I I don't think it was. Explo- I still don't feel like it was exploitative, and like there are examples no. where where it is clearly about like we want to have this woman naked on screen, and we don't get why rape is horrible. I feel like this scene. If you've never been confronted with the idea of rape outside of hearing someone say they were raped, I think this would make you feel the horror that a person would go through. Like that, you get what you you see what I'm saying? Like, I think like Hitchcock is saying, yes, the idea of rape sounds horrible, but just you're gonna feel how horrible it is, as though it's happening to you, kind of thing. Like that's the the level of of terror that i felt watching that sequence it was just like this is a nightmare like and it wasn't it wasn't sensationalized i didn't feel like because it was so like i think a lot of movies like rape sequences are like these violent exchanges where the person's like just slamming them down and um the person's screaming and it's those are horrible too don't get me wrong but this one was so civil that it was more horrifying because she's like talking the whole time trying to beg and plead and, and barter and it's and and then not even i mean this is gonna sound strange but not giving him what he wants yes yes uh she's still like this the strong presence despite what's happening to her and i don't think she ever saw the end coming the the necktie around her neck like i don't think she thought this was the end she just thought this was a horrible experience in her life and then man it's so terrifying like it's again i i don't i don't think scenes like this generally need to be in a film but if one can be justified to set the horror and to set the tone i think this one does that and again not a scene i want to rewatch. um like honestly, if I were watching this film again, because I, I do think there's a lot to rewatch in this film, I don't know that I would ever sit through that scene again. Um, and that obviously that like I think there's stuff in this film. Like I would pull scenes. I'm actually curious to hear what scene you thought was like. You mentioned that you thought was really awesome, um, but that might be for spoiler. Mm-hmm. But um, I I I totally see where you're coming from, and. Uh, obviously if if a movie if a a scene in a film is so upsetting that it may it can definitely ruin an experience of a film so uh, i didn't know going in that we were going to get that scene just to be clear um i i well yeah i didn't figure i didn't either um or i probably wouldn't have chosen it yeah and i can't something brought this to our attention early in this month i can't remember where like this movie kind of got thrust into my face that i had not seen i actually found out i bought a box set of hitchcock stuff a few years ago from uh it was a region free box set on amazon um, prime uk that was like really cheap it was 10 movies for like 20 bucks or something um all blu-ray and i've but like it has rear window and it has psycho and it has the birds you know the the, the staples um that's where i got to see rope though because that's how i got my copy of rope but i didn't realize frenzy was in that box set till the other day um mm. And so I was like, oh, I have it on Blu-ray on top of the fact that now I own it digitally as well. But um, I, I I, did. I think it's a great movie. Again, no, uh, if you haven't watched it and you're listening to this, uh, know that there is that really difficult scene that you're going to have to sit through or skip if you don't want to sit through it. 
Um, but I do think it's worth watching, and I do think it, it's a it's one of Hitchcock's last films, and I think it is. It just shows the the freaking talent this guy has. I mean, I know so many of his movies do that. It is not a hot take to say Hitchcock's a great filmmaker, but um, I don't know. It was interesting seeing him get to work with um, a medium he had not been allowed to work with and how he handled it. And I, I again, it is a tough sequence, but I do still think he handled it um, better than other filmmakers have handled it. So that's my take, Corey. Not as not as thrilled on it, uh, and understandably so. Why don't we uh, get to spoilers real fast? Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about this movie in great detail. You have been warned. So what was the scene that really uh, grabbed you? Um, I think it's the second, after the second rape that we don't see, but he takes Babs back to his yeah. place uh. with the promise of she can stay there because he's going out of town. And he says, oh, that's the thing he says, that you're my type of woman. Or you're my yes. kind of woman. And it's just so chilling. Because how can you say that someone is your type of woman when you're about to kill them? Just extinguish them, I guess. I don't know. Um, but he says that and they close the door so we know what's about to happen. But the camera pulls back down all those stairs, all those stairs, and then pulls it's like just going backwards through the building and goes out onto mm-hmm. the street and the busy, busy street. And I don't know, like that. you It's all a continuous take. Yeah. And just that, you know, that this horrible thing is happening, but life is continuing elsewhere, you know, everywhere else, I guess. And that I, I one of the things I really want to give credit to Hitchcock in this film and maybe to the, uh, as well to the writer, Anthony Schaefer and or the novelist uh, i don't know how much the the movie takes from the novel and I, I feel like it's more of an adaptation but both with brenda and with babs i loved them like they were so cool like i had so much respect for both of those characters uh and them dying was devastating not just because of how they died because i generally was like I really like Brenda. She seems like a really cool person and how she tries to help Richard, even though it's her ex-husband. And like, you know, um, Richard's Richard's not a good guy. He's not a bad guy, but he's a screw up, you know, like he's he's flawed. He's not like trying to be awful, but he's not good. Robert presents himself as this like classy business guy, you know, and oh, man, the dark secrets he is hiding. Um, But, you know. They we only we only get what one scene with Brenda before the the murder sequence happens, and it's uh, she's the uh, the actress is Barbara Lee Hunt, um, and she's the one who is in the rape sequence that we were talking about before spoilers, and Robert Rusk is played by Barry Foster who is the uh, the serial killer who I I thought we were gonna have more of a mystery of who the serial Same. killer was because it... I totally thought Richard was a serial killer like when we first meet him because he's got all these little, like little tendencies and like he's like angry and everyone's like giving him crap. And you just, I'm just like, man, this guy is such an obvious killer. And that's exactly what Hitchcock is setting up is that everything he does is totally believable that he's the killer, but he's not, but it totally makes sense how everything falls into place where he looks guilty as hell. Mm-hmm. And so I love that. And, and Hitchcock lets us know that's where the suspense comes in. We know he's innocent after we witness this rape. That's the thing. I think up until that moment, we were waiting to see Richard do the killing. And then we, Robert shows up, who we'd met earlier. Richard had talked to outside the grocery store. He seemed like a cool guy. 
um good like a nice friend at least he seemed like a, a a ron to harry you know like he was like hey it's it's ron it's weasley it's fine and then he goes into brenda's office and brenda runs this like uh, basically an online dating service before online dating services were a thing but it was like a matchmaking service and he she refuses to match him because he's got this creepy like uh it doesn't say exactly what it is but he's got something specific he's looking for in women it and was that's some where kind we... of sexual deviancy or something and i'm like right how does that even well, come I was... up oh i'm sorry oh well because yeah he apparently started using a service to try to find women to murder i'm guessing like that's a horrifying I mean... thing um, I've never yeah. like match. I've never done any matchmaking or anything. Is that a question that you know what I mean? Fair point. Fair point. Uh, yeah. No, I have no idea. Um, I guess it could just Creepy. you know. What are you looking for in a woman? <gasps> and I'm looking for a woman who wants to be strangled. I'm guessing oh, no. is what he says. Um, that's the only thing I, I could think of. But I thought that I don't know. I thought that that was I guess kind of interesting because I feel like it dated the movie in a way that you know because like i i still see those services but they're for like millionaires <laughs> they're in the plain magazines yeah. guys don't worry definitely not a millionaire or looking but you know they're like for these very like wealthy like i don't know whatever so i thought that that was kind of interesting well ag agreed i i also like that that element and also how it plays in with him why he shows up at first seems innocent enough but still like why she would be freaked out but not not totally threatened yeah, he's at been here time, before yeah yeah he's a creep no big deal i deal with creeps but then it, it hits that level where it's like no no this is not a normal visit this is something else and then when it happens it's very tough you like her you've seen her be tough again she's like resisting in this very cordial like i get that i have no way to stop you but please, you know, let's keep some civility. Let's do this. And then it, it just escalates. And when she yeah. dies, she definitely wasn't expecting it. Well, he wants her to struggle. Yeah. And and that's, I guess, why she's resisting in that way. Like, right? Like, yeah. not giving him what he's looking for. It, it's it's a, a hell of a performance. Mm -hmm. um, again, it's so uncomfortable. And same thing for Barry Foster. Um, I read, I think uh, the role was offered to Michael Caine. And he was like, no. I don't oh. want anything to do with this like horrible persona like that. I don't want to be attached to this awful character and I don't blame him because man, oh, I do uh, love Michael like, Caine. Right. I could even see him being that guy, the charming part, right? Cause outside of the, the horrors, the guy is very charming. Michael Caine would have nailed that. And then it would have been unsettling to have him attached to that. But so as much as I like Brenda from the two scenes, Babs had really won me over because we see Babs like kind of stand up for Richard. Um, she's very, very like loyal and not in a way like not, I don't want to make it sound like, she, but she clearly is into him and he's clearly into her. And I am like, good, this is good for Richard. He needs her. And then when she runs into Robert and he takes her, I'm like, no, no, no. And then that scene where like, we're just left to know he did it. And then how devastated Richard is, but more, this is where that humor part comes back in. In the potato truck, when Robert realizes that he left his pin, his very letter R tie pin, um, in her hand, or that she had grabbed it during the struggle, and he's trying to get her out of the potato bag, her feet, like, kick him. You know what I mean? Like, it shouldn't be funny, but I feel like it's going for a little bit of humor, where it's like, 
you know, because you, you didn't have to have that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you chose to have her feet, like, hit him in the face. And maybe there's an element where you're just like, yeah, that's what you get, you freak. But at the same time, it's like, well, that's supposed to be funny, right? Like, why else would they have this weird struggle? And even, like, he has, like, the brutality of him having to break her fingers to get the pin. And now she's dead, but rigor mortis had set in, and so the only way... It, oh, such a... Uh, devastating sequence with her i want to go back a little bit because i something i didn't understand is when he's leaving barbara's office and i mean just to like how detached and like he just yeah that he just doesn't even care he picks up an apple off of her desk or something and starts eating it like right afterwards Uh, he had already taken a bite out of it Mm mm-hmm so I, I don't, I don't, DNA testing was not a thing. Yeah, I didn't know why he picked it up and took it with him. I, I, yeah, I don't know, because he definitely didn't worry about the other stuff. No, exactly. DNA trace. That's what. So maybe he just wanted the apple? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. And I mean, it's not like, oh, well, someone was here, ding, 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 there's an apple, because obviously there was someone there. I don't know. I didn't True. understand that. Well, but that's part of my issue well, one, uh, the 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 synopsis is completely wrong, because um, it says a serial murderer, and the the terminology of serial killer wouldn't come into existence for like another ten to fifteen years. So that synopsis really? was clearly written post. Yeah, I did. A, I can't remember the exact time, but serial killer shows up as a term in like the late eighties or early eighties or something like that. Um, and uh, that I can't remember. I go- I googled it myself to like verify because I knew that was a, the case. Because, like, the Zodiac Killer, they didn't know to call as a serial murderer at the time. That was not a, like, oh. they had existed, but they had not coined the term serial killer um, yet. And or think of how, like, the motivation or the psychological reasons behind the serial killing nature of it versus it just being, like, oh. a series of murders. It looks, um, well, I always think about Ted Bundy. And Ted Bundy right. started in the 70s, and I thought that he was being termed that. I don't believe so. Uh, again, I think you're thinking of the stories we have heard, Fair. which is where he is referred to as a serial killer because that term is now a thing. And we acknowledge that in retrospect, these people were serial killers. But at the time of the existence, it wasn't used. That wasn't they didn't know what that was yet. And um, that is one of my my acceptances of the inconsistency with how he disposes of bodies, because the first one washes up in the water. The second one, which that we see at least, is Babs. Not Babs, I'm sorry. Uh, it's, it's hard because Barbara's, well, but oh, that's her actress that's... name. Brenda, um, yeah. which that Babs is short for Barbara, Barbara. Sorry. if you're a Batman fan. Um, but so Brenda, he leaves in the office and he rapes her in broad daylight. Right? Yeah, there's like no, and, mo- there's like no calling, it, I don't want to call it calling card, but there's no. It's not consistency with the MO. Yeah. His, his modus operandi is different each time. To some degree, except that Babs and the last killing that we see, which we see like the aftermath, um, are in his apartment, which is like, well, that seems really risky to do that, too. Like, you know, no one because because we get the implication he kills them after he rapes them. And so you would think they'd be shouting and screaming and it's his flat would seems like there's other people around. So, like, did no one hear any of that? Like, there's a lot of little inconsistencies that bug me in a very little way and again i i don't think that's a criticism because i don't think the understanding of how a serial killer tends to operate and again some serial killers don't do it exactly the same way every single time um 
it's more like they have a targeted victim. Yeah, and that's also what seemed weird is you don't know what sets him off. It all seems to be like opportunity. He doesn't like seem to be going out hunting for them. Yeah, especially with Babs. Yeah. Because Babs is a brunette and it almost at that point you're like, is he like targeting Richard's people on yeah. purpose? Like And I I don't know I Babs maybe. I don't think he got the connection with Brenda and obviously the the framing of Richard was a coincidence, right? Like Richard went up there to to see her and she was already dead. You know, like that was a coincidence. Uh, at least as far as I can tell, it didn't seem like that was his plan. But um but I do, I do like the ending, but I also find it to be a little comical again because the chief inspector bursts into uh, Robert's apartment where we see Richard has just struck the dead woman with a uh, tire iron type like the like weapon, and he looks guilty as all get out, even though at this point the chief inspector knows that he's not guilty, and um but and he's like Richard's like no you can't and the chief inspector puts a finger to his mouth and then hides behind the door and and then robert comes in and he's just like gotcha and he doesn't put up a fight at all (laughs) what's he gonna do he's got caught red-handed it's not like he's got a gun but i did like oh go ahead well that's my point though the chief doesn't point a gun at him or anything either so like robert could put up a fight and try to get away like he just like concedes I mean, I think for the movie, that's the right call. I think the movie needs to end there. It ends with the suitcase dropping. But again, oh. another way he's disposing of the body, he's going to put her in a suitcase. Uh, he put Babs in a potato sack. He left Brenda. So, like, that one's the super inconsistent one. Like, why would he leave a victim? Because everywhere else, he's hiding the bodies and stuff. And for some reason... Maybe because it was uh, broad daylight and there was no way to get her out of the building without calling well, more attention to himself. It, it implies, too, that maybe these aren't premeditated. Maybe he strikes when, like you said, when opportunity presents itself. He found her alone with the door locked and no way, you know, he had the opportunity and he took it. Um, same thing with Babs. is like Babs was looking for somewhere to go hey why not come back to my place and we don't know about the last victim or the first victim other than like that he killed them um we don't have any context there um but and but yeah uh you crazy i wonder like did we ever find out how many he had killed before the movie started because i know that like the people on the tour and stuff outside were like oh another whatever necktie murderer so it's obviously not the first one yeah, I don't think they ever give us a full number. Um, there. London is terrorized by a vicious sex killer known as the necktie murderer. That's all it says in the storyline there. Um, I read somewhere, like, I, I didn't get to really, like, dive into anything, but I, I glimpsed something that the uh, story was inspired by the, uh, uh, oh, wow. It was, I just had it, and it just, like, vanished. Uh, what's the famous murderer from um, London? Chuck the Ripper? Yes. That uh, the killer Russ was, or Robert Russ was inspired by those stories, um, which makes sense. Uh, but I don't know for sure. Like I haven't done any more digging. And one of the wherever I read that, I think it was on IMDb trivia. The dates did not sync up to what I knew to be true about um, about Jack the Ripper. Like, as like I think they were claiming that Jack the Ripper had just happened like a decade before the movie came out i'm like no it didn't like jack the ripper was like in the 1800s and i confirmed that so whoever wrote that trivia fact was probably just making crap up and i probably shouldn't even brought it up because i just remembered all the the dead Corey's just on there she's so mad <laughs> just about the rape sequence. 
I'm gonna make so many fake <laughs> make y'all Google uh, this. <laughs> kidding. But um, the power. But yeah, I think <laughs> I think we've covered everything about uh, this movie. Though we've hit like all the major plot points and stuff. Agreed. Is there uh, anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Oh, I did kind of love that uh, last scene, though. I was like, what is he pulling up the stairs? Is that a suitcase? Mm, yeah. But no, it was a trunk. He meant business. But I loved the boom, boom, boom with like every, mm-hmm. like him hitting the back of every step coming up. I don't know. Yeah. It, I mean, not again, I hate saying these things about Hitchcock, but what what a genius Um, with just how he builds things and sets things like that, because that was a totally believable way for him to alert the people in the room that he obviously didn't know were in his room. You know, he's thinking, hey, I just got to get rid of this dead body. No big deal. And and then, oh, there's two people in here. Um, But yeah, uh, just just overall masterful. Again, I I. I I'm not trying to talk you out of it because I totally understand why you were not into this, but it is just when it comes to the filmmaking and storytelling and suspense, um, it, this it just showcases Hitchcock's talent uh, that we all know he has, mind you. It's not it's not a revelation. It's not a hot take. It's just sometimes getting to sit back and appreciate an artist at um, at work. You know, it's just something for me uh, with film. It's one of the, it's one of the things I love about studying directors and while I still nowhere close to seeing all of Hitchcock's movies, I have seen a lot of his big ones. I, I need to watch suspicion. Um, and I think there's two other ones that I really want to watch that are not coming to mind right now, but uh, you know, we've, we've watched a couple on this podcast. Uh, I, I really want you to watch notorious. That one is super awesome. And I, I'm a big Cary Grant fan. Um, just, yeah. Uh, excellent, excellent movie, but all right, listeners, I'm going to say uh, Frenzy is a must-see with that big caveat that there is at least one really ter- horrifically <sighs> terrifying sequence um, that if you if us talking about it was enough to freak you out, then avoid watching this movie. But it is masterful in every other way. And Corey? <sighs> this is my least favorite part, always. I know. Because um, I feel like all the performances are really good, and... It's obviously, there's nothing, I don't know. I mean, I I think this rating might go with, uh, one time I've used the inconclusive rating um, for Synecdoche, New York with my first viewing of it. I could not, I could not figure out where I felt about that movie. And I think that seems to be fair here uh, because you acknowledge the masterful nature of the filmmaking, the performances, but as a movie, it's not one that you really can recommend or want to watch again. So and I would have stopped the musty, it. right? Not not quite golden, decent watch. None of those really fit, and, and it's saying not a total waste of time even sounds weird. Um, so I think inconclusive, uh, or maybe very conclusive. Not for Corey. <laughs> yeah. This is a not for Corey movie. Um, <laughs> but again, acknowledges all of those things. So that, let's just leave it at that. We don't have to assign a rating to it. It's perfect. Um, I do what right. I want. Well, yeah, do what you want. That that concludes October. For us and next month i am very very excited Corey. i'm so so excited i'm just having, Our, oh i'm having a hard time oh, what? you said that concludes october and i know that it's the end of october but how are there only two months left in this 10 year 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 i know I, I maybe there's we're in a vicious loop i'm not oh, sure God. but um our theme for november 
of 2020 is Love Stinks. This was originally our February uh, theme, but we ended up doing um, the uh, Love Antosha month uh, for February uh, because we wanted to uh, cover as many of the Anton Yeltsin films we had not seen that month. Um, this month, though, with Love Stinks, it's the idea is that these are uh, stories about like troubled love. And that's why it was going to be in February instead of the traditional like romance or rom-com. We were going to go the kind of the opposite, like the anti love story, or at least the love stories that aren't so simple, that aren't clean cut and everything's easy. But really I have shoehorned in, I had a force score <laughs> into this, um, a micro uh, study of Richard Linklater because we're watching for the first time, I think for both of us, right? Yeah. We are watching the before trilogy. So Week one is before sunrise, week two is before sunset, and week three is before midnight. Um, if you're not familiar with these films, uh, they star Ethan Hawke, and I don't remember the actress's name because I'm not super familiar with her, but um, they film these, I think, nine years apart each time or something along those lines of ten years. Um, and so, like, you have them filmed, and then the same couple ten years later, what's happened in their, their life, what's happened in their relationship. And I have heard great things about this. There was a Criterion box set released not too long ago, um, I just have the the basic Blu-rays, and I also have them digitally, um, and that's how we'll be watching them. I am very excited. But then we're, we're ending the month with Revolutionary Road. So three uh, Linklater films, and then we're jumping into, I believe that's the um, Kate Winslet and Leo movie? Yes. Back Together Again. Uh, I, back Together Again. Uh, it's a dream sequence from Titanic. <laughs> um, I'll never let go. And then uh, just a, 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 we're jumping a little ahead, but we, we need to start thinking <laughs> about december because we're, our goal for december is to do the theme we did last year for the first time i think um through the cracks which these are the movies from 2020 that we had not seen which right now I've, i think i've already got mine like uh, because i don't know if i'm going to get to them soon enough but like we we haven't seen uh i have not watched the new charlie coffin movie I, i'm thinking of ending things which i desperately oh, want to watch yes. but now i'm at this point where I'm like maybe i should just wait and watch it in december for through the cracks and then there's a new aaron sorkin film called the chicago seven that's on netflix really want to see that that could be in through the cracks you know like so there's these movies that i really really want to watch and i haven't got to rebecca just dropped last week on netflix oh, yeah. um the, the remake of the hitchcock film by ben wheatley with uh army hammer and um lily james it's like if i don't get to that before december then that could be on the list like there's so many little movies uh that you know I, I don't mean to be dismissive and say little but there are a lot of these direct streaming small films screen. that i really really want to watch i just haven't got to yet what were you about to say oh small screen which that's all we've gotten this year pretty much yeah that's really and i'm i'm so afraid that's all we're ever going to get again that theaters are just going <sighs> to die and we won't get to go to the theater anymore and that makes me unbelievably sad oh. um but we've definitely got some movies that we can throw into through the cracks um but I, maybe there's just so many because they're like the streaming drops have been so rapid. Um, they're, they're not as big. A lot of the movies that I was really looking forward to this year got pushed back. Like I really wanted to see the new Wes Anderson movie, the French dispatch. My, uh, my favorite director, Edgar Wright had a movie one night in Soho was supposed to drop that got pushed back. Then not counting all the blockbusters and all that. None of that is here for us. So uh, I'm curious to see what we end up choosing for that month. Um, we've got one month left before we have to make our final decisions on through the cracks. And what movies did we miss that we uh, think is worth our time? Um, 
it, it'll be interesting to get there. But first, we have to get through Love Stinks, and I cannot wait to uh, knock out the Before Trilogy. Finally, to me, that's a big one on my gap list because I am a pretty big Richard Linklater fan. I haven't seen all of his movies, but he's made some movies that I've really, really connected with um, and some that I haven't. But those that I have, I am a big fan of. And so I'm, I'm hoping this is added to my love movies. And from what I've heard, I, I just can't imagine that these won't click for me. Um, and again, Corey, I'm sorry to force you to watch three Linklater films in a row, but at least it is essentially like three pieces of a puzzle and not just like three random Linklater movies, you know? I guess. <laughs> it's Ethan Hawke, Corey. I know. I Hawk do guy. really Come like on. him. So here we so, are. So we'll be back with our reviews of that over the next couple of episodes. Um, in the meantime, if you like what we're doing, we ask that you rate and review us on whatever podcast host or uh, provider you are listening through and follow us on social media. I am at Burke reviews on Twitter, letterbox and anything else. And Corey, at Corey R star two arts on the end. And that is it for this episode. Be safe, mask up. And of course, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast, burkereviews.com.